Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or the gram Aaron underscore Dugan. In person today in studio. Good to see your face, Aaron. Lucky us. What a treat. Lucky you. Let's you literally, we talked yesterday about doing this in person, and then I show up. You're like, hey, where are you? The most confusing text conversation ever because I'm in the driveway <laughs> and you think I'm at my home. I cannot be blamed for this. I blame parent brain. That's what I blame. Is that allowed? Can I do that? At least you showered before. <laughs> Brayden not, didn't not shower. He was in the backyard doing yard work. I was I was discussing something with the neighbor after a quick jog and time got away from me, which which happens when you are, you know, busy managing a house. You know, that's what happens. How long was the jog? Uh, like two, two and a half miles. Oh, that's, that's I don't I, I don't like to run too long. I like to just like get the 20 minute sweat in and then do some like, you know, some core, maybe some light weights, you know, in the backyard. There was a guy, guy. There's a guy that I'm sure would have run with you that I saw on the way here mm. who had stopped his run to do pull-ups on the low-hanging electrical pole. Interesting. Dropped and kept running. I was very confused. Well, David Hale going to be our guest today on the show from ESPN. He is going to dive into all of the minutiae and the strange, weird oddities of the legal mumbo-jumbo that is taking place this week uh, as it pertains to this the Supreme Court ruling essentially taking a sledgehammer to the amateur model. And we'll, we'll, so we'll let David Hale do a lot of the lifting. We'll have some thoughts about that on the front end. We thought we'd lighten the mood, though, Aaron, because we've talked a lot of expansion. We've talked a lot of player rights and, and player benefits, and that's certainly what's happening with the Supreme Court right now. But at the same time, we thought we would, uh, we'd have a little fun and kind of mess around this week on the show. Um, and so we're going to talk coaches in the SEC, but maybe not the way... Every other show talks about coaches. Not the traditional approach we took here, but hopefully it will at least be entertaining at the minimum. Yes. Uh, you have some really interesting questions that you are set to present to the audience about SEC football coaches. They're special, these questions. Well, that is true, and I can't wait to answer them. But first, Fringe Element is brought to you by... Jaspers, the remote control in your life your television life story interesting i like that one actually i like that one that was a good one was it <laughs> yeah i did I, I enjoyed that one jaspers the remote control in your television's life story did i get that right that's, that's pretty the good remote control of your life story's television ja <laughs> i don't know jaspers has free parking a great happy hour a great menu and they have remote controls and televisions they they have both of those things they do and you know what? We want Jaspers to be a part of your life story. So go to Jaspers. They will use the remote control to put up whatever game you want on the television. They have great drink specials, and you get to watch all kinds of great sporting events. you got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, College World Series. You know, the Euros are going on right now. All kinds of great stuff. Go to Jaspers. All right. You ready to talk uh, college football? Yep. All right. So before we get to our, like, very um, strange way to talk about coaches in the SEC... Supreme Court ruling on Monday. Essentially, all you really need to know about it is that it says that colleges can no longer be limited on the amount of money they spend on educational expenses. So laptops and postgraduate degrees and all kinds of stuff that involve education. It's a very narrow ruling in that sense. However, in the in the, the written reports from the Supreme Court justices that ruled unanimously, by the way, nine to nothing, uh, in, including a concurrent opinion from Brett Kavanaugh, not the most liberal of judges, basically took a sledgehammer to the amateur model and allowed and invited future attacks on the amateur model. So I think this is the beginning of what we sort of all have been predicting, Aaron, will happen, which is that players are no longer a free labor force and that colleges are going to have to compensate them in some way. The playoff is expanding, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness is coming. There are a whole lot of changes coming to the, 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 the college football you know, structure and I think it's important to understand all of them. And David Hale will do a really good job explaining even further. But I don't know. My message to people, Aaron, is that I just think, I still think your experience as a fan on Saturday is going to be largely unchanged with the exception of expansion, which just allows more teams to potentially get in. I still think that's the most important takeaway for people. I really don't see a reason why this affects the fan experience. In fact, I can think of a couple maybe a little bit far 
a little bit of a stretch, but not necessarily that there potentially even be more talent um, brought into the sport, more incentive to play um, as a collegiate athlete um, and, you know, make decisions for your future based on the fact that you can go to school and play and get compensated. So I definitely don't think it's going to put a damper on what we see on the field. I don't know where the argument for that would be. Maybe it just feels like it's tainting the college athletics driven by passion and not necessarily driven by money, but I promise you can care and still get your, (laughs) still get a nice laptop. And does it mean that your school is paying for you to drive a Mercedes because you live 10 miles off campus? It just means that, like you said, it's, it's a narrow, it's a narrow set. Well, even if the, the college was giving you complimentary football cars, Let's say let's say Tennessee and Florida and Georgia can all offer you complimentary vehicles now, which let's be honest, they probably already are. But if they like, who cares? Still doesn't change. How it. does that change your life on a Saturday watching the game? And and I, I just I the the only people that can sort of truly push back on this are sort of just like old ideologies. There's not really like an actual tangible thing that you can say. Oh well, that that that's gonna make my viewing experience worse. I I don't. Again, don't my message to fans on this is don't take the fear porn bait on this because there's a lot of talking heads and a lot of old people in your life, probably you're like your uncle and your grandpa that are like this is this is ruining the amateur model in the regular season. And like I just that's how they all sound in my head. It's just not going to happen. You're still going to go as we've said this a million times. Like you're going to go to the same seat in the same section of the same stadium, sing the same song, watch the same team with your same friends, drinking the same drink doing the same stupid cheers. It's, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to change anything. And even it's, A, it's not. And B, even if it did, it doesn't matter. It has to happen. Like these kids (laughs) are spending 50 plus hours a week just on their sport, which is already 10 hours more than like a 40 hour a week job. Then they have to go to school. It just, I just am not worried about the fan experience. And even if it was going to be slightly affected, I just don't think that's more important. It's not going to change. The thing that needs to change if they don't want to tread water and just collapse, which it already looks like they're going to, is the NCAA is just (laughs) doing the worst possible thing by dragging their feet, trying to still stand on whatever ground they think they have which to me in my mind is almost zero and it'll be interesting to see what their presence if any can like is like in the future um and my question for you I guess before we move on is you know on the university side the NCAA does have control of a lot of the large like large events postseason events like for example Vanderbilt hosts super regionals in Nashville the whole video board show that's normally you know Vanderbilt Vanderbilt sponsors all this stuff is totally neutral makes sense I guess in a certain way but then also all of the video that even Vanderbilt and in this case um like East Carolina's video teams took, and I'm thinking about this in my world, we still had to pay the NCAA to use our own video (laughs) that that we (laughs) shot that was taken at an event. So I'm just curious about, do you know a lot about how this is going to work with the relationships between the schools and the NCAA? Well, football is different because it's not actually an NCAA sanctioned event. So that's what's what's crazy is that the BCS, or in this case the playoff, or in the future terms the 12-team playoff, right? I don't think the broadcast rights, like whoever wins that championship is not winning an NCAA championship, which is a strange, it's a strange line of demarcation, but obviously it's because of money. So I don't know, actually, I don't, that's a great question. Who owns the rights to all that stuff? I'm assuming it's the television partner that pays $5 billion a year to broadcast it, right? Like if you pay that much money, you're probably going to get the rights, I would assume. Because it's not an NCAA sanctioned event. That's what's crazy about football. Yeah, that football is different, and that's what we're talking about, I guess, on this particular podcast. But um, I don't know. I have to reach out. Question. I want to get the inside scoop about what that looks like going forward. Do but some digging on that. I'd like, I'd like to hear about that too, because it's 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 inside baseball a little bit, but I think it's interesting. Um, no question about it. All right, so let that David Hale is going to come in and, and join us a little bit later on in the show, and he'll give you a lot more deep in the weeds legalese about all this stuff that's going on and explain what's happening with name, image, and likeness coming, expansion, transfer portal, uh, and of course the Supreme Court ruling on Monday. All right, let's talk coaches. And we're going to ask like some normal questions first and then some not so normal questions after that. So let's start with this because Nick Saban's the best coach in America, maybe the best coach in history. So he's the best coach in the SEC. 
But if I were to ask you who are the best coaches in the SEC, not named Nick Saban, what order would you put them in? Because I think there's a really hefty debate between, in my mind, three guys. I think my answer to this now, today, and for this season is going to be different than I think it will be in a year or two. Interesting. Right now, I it kind of falls where the teams have been falling with Georgia and Texas A&M, um, like Kirby Smart and Jimbo coming in. But I, I think that in a couple of years, Dan Mullen could be competing for either of those spots. I just think there's so much going on at Florida and talent and what he's able to do on offense and everything that he's been able to put together there um, and just getting points on the board. I have a feeling that he will you know, maybe be eking into that two spot in the next year or so. I think that's a pretty good way to explain it. I would have Dan Mullen two, Jimbo Fisher three, Kirby Smart four. But to your point, that's sort of just because they're the best teams right now. Jimbo Fisher has the national championship ring. Georgia has Kirby Smart has been to the national championship. Dan Mullen has 12 years of experience in the SEC showing people how good he is. I think it's interesting Ed Orgeron has a national championship ring, and I would not even consider him. Mike Leach has won maybe more games than all these guys, except for Nick Saban, and he's done it in two other conferences. But Mark Stoops has done a really good job. Lane Kiffin is probably a better marketer and brander of his program than almost any of these guys. But I don't think it's anybody but those four. Like, it's Saban, Smart, Fisher, and Mullen. And I think your order is probably the order that most people would vote. I'm the outlier by putting Dan Mullen at two. I just think he's the best offensive mind in America. I don't know, you know. And this sort of leads to our second question, which is who do you want coaching the national championship game? And that's why I think Kirby Smart gets knocked down a peg because there's some complaints about how he manages some in-game situations. I don't have that concern about Dan Mullen. I don't have that concern about Jimbo Fisher. I certainly don't have that concern with Nick Saban. I mean, I would, if I got to pick who, you know, you're watching on the sidelines, I mean, I would would rather it be Dan Mullen. Um, I just think it, you know, I think there's a higher you know, level of interest for me when he's involved than honestly, either of the other guys just, I just think in a game on a third and seven, like who do I want calling that play? I feel like Dan Mullen's going to give you a better opportunity to find success on that play than Kirby or Jimbo. Do you think part Maybe of, it's not fair. Do you think part of that is just like the diversity of the playbook and the talent that Dan Mullen has on like what he's able to pull off in situations like that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's just pure football acumen. I, I just think he, like Jimbo Fisher and Kirby are unbelievable recruiters. They've got better players. Fisher has the championship ring, so it's hard to argue that Fisher doesn't belong at number two. But if you're asking me who's got like, and Jimbo Fisher's offense is by all accounts extremely complicated. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. I don't know. I just think I'd rather have Dan Mullen. Like, pick any quarterback, any offensive line, any set of receivers, whatever, and you're in third and seven in the fourth quarter and you need a first down to win the game. I think I'd rather have Dan Mullen, his scheme, his playbook, and his play call in that situation. And I realize that's probably, I mean, again, maybe I'm the outlier. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's an unpopular, you know, take on it, but I definitely don't think it's, it's wrong. I mean, good. Up there with, yeah, (laughs) up there with say, what if, are you taking whoever's the offensive coordinator for Saban at the time at any given time or Dan Mullen in that situation? No, Dan, Dan Mullen. Okay. But I would take Saban over everybody, obviously. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's a it's boring just too conversation. Easy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, we left do? him out because. Whatever. So let's go from boring conversation to not so boring conversation. So most of these questions are yours, Aaron. You created these questions. And I said to you when we started planning this show, I said, let's do, let's, let's keep it light. Let's keep it fun. Let's try to talk about the coaches in the SEC in maybe a different way. And you sent me a text message with like four or five questions. I said, yep, that's it. That's what we want to do. Um, so. Lighten it up before we talk legal. Lighten it up before David Hale comes in and drops all kinds of legal knowledge on your face. It's not boring legal knowledge. Though. It's oh, no, he's great. quite interesting. I, I love David. He's one of my favorite workers, writers, media people in the SEC. Love him. ESPN. Go check him out. You ready? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Okay, let's start off with the easy one. Okay. Most like SEC coach, current SEC coach, most likely to hit on your wife. Oh, wow. I didn't know you were going with that one first. You surprised me. I, I don't know how the answer is not Lane Kiffin. I don't know how that's not the answer. The only thing written on my paper under that question. I was trying to guess your Lane answer. Train. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. I, I, so Jeremy Pruitt would have been on the list. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not a coach anymore. Um, 
Jimbo Fisher, maybe? Just out of pure, just lack of regard, um, just like casual funny, maybe. I don't think he'd be like dead ass serious. I think yeah. Lane Kiffin might be like. Lane would be Joey Freshwater. He's like, yeah, you you say and there's a chance. Like he would be like that guy. No, he, he would look me right in the eyes and look right at my wife and say, would you like to go to dinner? Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't even, there's not even, there's no shyness there. He's not ashamed of it. There's nothing there from Lane. Um, I don't think, here's a, here's a follow up question. Which one would my wife be most interested in? <laughs> <laughs> that's a different question. I know which Ooh. one you'd be most interested in, Sam Pittman. Yeah, but not like to date him. I just want to hang out. I, You know who it is? It's probably Sabin or Harson. That your wife would want to yes, go on a date with? Yes, because she's, she wants somebody who's like a thinker and someone who's like in shape and like, and not that all these other guys aren't like thinkers and in shape, but like she's not attracted to like the brash personality at all. She's not attracted to that. So I, I, think, um. I think Brian Harson. <laughs> I think Brian Harson actually would be very near the top of her list. Like, okay. dude's in shape. He's kind of like quiet confidence, mm-hmm. kind of a th- thinker. Like, kind of, you know, I, she's not a rah 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 guy. Yeah, I feel or that. Girl, whatever. Okay. Okay. All right. That that was, right. I did not expect you to go with that one first. Okay. What else you got? Who on the family front? Who would you want babysitting your kids? To me, this is easy. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't even have kids, but you get it. I'm um, looking at the list. I, you know who I might go with? I might go with Josh Heupel. <laughs> really? Actually, yeah. He just looks like a like a big old grandpa. <laughs> he just kind of. He's does. a nice guy. He's a family man. Not that these guys all aren't family guys. I understand that. Mark Stoops, I think, would be good. You know, he really instill some culture in the kids. <laughs> You're missing like the most blatant one to me. I mean, Sam, I'm biased. You think Sam? I mean, yeah, why not? I think Sam and Heupel are actually similar cut from that same cloth. Josh Heupel's got him playing dodgeball and stuff. I just yeah. think, I don't think, that's probably why I don't think Heupel's going to be a great coach in the SEC because I think he's too nice of a guy. His kids were really mad at him on his very first presser when he came and accepted the job. And they were just like <laughs> sitting in the corner with their arms crossed, like, thanks a lot. We don't have any friends here. He made us move to Knoxville. Like, I'm he sorry. might babysit because his kids might still be mad at him. You don't get to judge a town when you move from Orlando. Okay. I'm sorry. You don't get to do that. I think um, Clark Lee would like run a would, pretty tight ship. Clark Lee would be a pretty he'd, like, damn, fun, he'd be but like your kids yeah. wouldn't die. And he's and he like is my age. Like he looks like you know I've, yeah. I've got similar follicle problems. We're both thirty eight years old. Like they would think it's me basically. The difference is that he accepted his. Yeah, I actually have hair on top of my head. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> I'm not there yet, dude. I have not. No, you don't have like that little hair. Right. Like, I'm not denying that it's thinning. I have not gotten to the point where I need to shave it like no, Clark Lee. No, you haven't. All right. Okay. So Clark Lee, Josh Heupel, Mark Stoops, Sam Pittman. One of those four. I might go with Heupel. Who is the most likely <laughs> coach to let somebody else pick up the tab at dinner? Oh. This one was tough for me. I think it's funny, but it was, it was kind of hard for me to pick. Man, that is a tough question. Because what you're asking is a little bit of pettiness, a little bit of cheapness, a little bit of I don't give a shit, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of what you're talking about there. <sighs> Dan Mullen? <laughs> I don't know. That one crossed That's a my, great question. That one crossed my mind just because I could see Dan doing it like Mike solely. Leach? Yes. That's that is yeah. who I put because he's yeah. such a wild card you just don't know. He might like just get up and be like, "Thanks for dinner." Dan would do it to see y- yeah. your reaction, but he'd still actually let it happen. Cur- he'd almost just want to see. Yeah, I agree. Kirby's like too He's been he's been, he's gone to too many cotillion classes. Yeah, like he, Kirby's been to too many formal formal dances, and he understands the 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 social norms. So I think Kirby would would be all right. Shane Beamer, I think he's just he's just classy dude. Clark Lee, same thing. Sam Pittman, Brian Harson. I, I could see Kiffy doing it too, but Kiffy's. I could also see Kiffy do, like trying to buy rounds of shots for everyone at the bar see, and like making sure everyone knows he paid for it. That's that's kind of what I think about Lane because <laughs> I think it'd be more of a, like, oh, I'm gonna go talk. I know the owner. I'm gonna go talk to him, and then right, if right. the owner didn't pick it up, Lane would just secretly pay it and act like the owner paid it. Can you hey, can you tell the chef to come see the table, please? Like yeah, that's that would that's be his Kevin gig for sure. All right, that's good. That's a great up. question. I think I might go. I think Dan Mullen. I okay, think that's who I'm going with. I, I had Mike Leach. Um, Leach is a good one too. Um, let's see. This has already happened several times, but most likely to have to apologize after an in-game interview, after a post-game presser. We've obviously seen Nick Saban do it more than once because he's Saban. And then Dan Mullen should have done it after he wore a freaking Darth Vader outfit to the Halloween press conference after a loss. This is a fascinating question. 
because I think it's very tied to the words you ask here. Is it most likely to need to apologize or most likely to apologize? Because I could see Sam Pittman like saying something silly, like kind of losing his cool, but then immediately apologizing for it. Totally. Because he just like said something to a reporter on a sideline interview and he got a little frustrated and he would like, oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. Like I could see him apologize. Like I can't see Kirby, Jimbo, Dan, Nick, Lane, Coach O, Mike Leach. I can't see any of them apologizing for anything that they say in a press conference. I could see Mark Stoops apologizing. Yeah. But I don't see him saying anything that needs to be apologized so for. So then let's do should or should apologize or was forced to. Mike, Leach, this- Mike Leach has had to force to apologize for some social media posts. So maybe Mike Leach is the answer. <laughs> That's true. It's just funny to think Lane about. Kiffin is probably in that group. But again, is it sincere? I don't think so. Mm, no. I mean, I think Coach O maybe would just out of like, I give up. I want this to be I over. I agree. I think Coach O is also, there is some genuineness to him. Like, if he this just whole, doesn't make great decisions all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay, do you... That's a, that's a tough one, too. Lots of dynamics involved in that in that question. Wild card. You haven't heard this one. It's Uh-oh. really stupid. Which coach could fit the most peep marshmallows in their mouth? Coach O. He lived on pork rinds and Red Bull at one point in his life. See, I kind of think Hypo could give him its run... Like a run for his money on that. Mean spirited. No, it's not like that. It's just like (laughs) Sam Pittman's an offensive line coach. He would be in that category too. Yeah, and he'd probably like live up to the challenge. Um, But I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Coach O. Didn't you have one? The Rick Pitino Bobby Petrino Memorial Award. Is that (laughs) what we're talking about? Yes. Who's most likely to fall off a motorcycle with their mistress and or use prostitution to recruit to their campus? It's very, in fact, you confused Rick Patino and Bobby Petrino in the preparation for the show. And I said, no, 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 it actually works. They both have had plenty of off the field scandals involving um, illicit affairs. I have used their names interchangeably just because I don't <laughs> remember what Braden originally said about the award. But again, it does not matter. Like, I know who they are, but it still doesn't matter. They also sound really similar. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. They're and how is it not, some... how is it not Lane Kiffin? It's, you know. Or is he too good at. Is he too good at the dating to not actually have that happen? I have a hard time. Well, I don't know. I have a hard time saying the person that first came to mind for me because I do think Kocho has like some good in him. I just think he makes dumb decisions sometimes. Yeah. But I was thinking about, you know, based I don't think on this, he would, I don't he think he wouldn't. would do it though. But you know who might do it? would be funny picture, picturing Kocho trying to ride off on a motorcycle though? I think Kirby and Jimbo are sneaky options for this one. Sneaky options. Kirby doesn't mind sort of doing like the recruiting thing, right? Where he acts like silly in in a recruiting video or, you know, he doesn't mind making fun of himself. So acting kind of silly and trying to like trying to ride a motorcycle or something. Jimbo Fisher, you know, he's single. I could see him out there mingling, you know? I don't think that's a bad guess. Again, we don't even know what we're voting for. Just something Uh, scandalous. I still think it's Lane. It's hard to argue. But maybe Lane is too good at like, you know, the burner accounts. Like, he's too good at being sneaky. Also, it's part of his brand. Like, if he fell off a motorcycle with a co-ed, like, we would celebrate him. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas, you know, Bobby Petrino gets put in a neck brace and fired for it. We would be like, way to go, Lane. (laughs) Which is not fair, obviously, but... But it's true, and it's kind of funny. Okay, that's a good one. What else do we have? Too bad Uh, we don't have Hugh Freeze in the mix. Oh, well. Most likely to incite an on-field brawl. So we had Mike Leach last year in a bowl game, not like overtaking selfies while his team was in a brawl. Then we had, wasn't it Dan Mullen and was it Missouri? It was Missouri, wasn't it? I think it was where he's like out onto the field. Or was that the shoe? No, I think it was. No, that was LSU. Oh yeah, that was LSU Florida on the shoe game. I the the game where he like yeah it was before Missouri. they go into halftime he like runs out and is like storming the field. They also had a pregame dust up with LSU like two years ago. Yep. Again, Dan Mullen has almost literally done this, so I don't know how it's not Dan Mullen. I think Coach O. I think sort of again has had a lot of fighting in his career, but I think he's sort of past those days. I think he's he gets annoyed though when his guys and I know LSU has fair share of problems, but he gets annoyed with guys when they're out of line like you can overhear him in press conferences or right. in interviews sometimes being like hey i'm on an interview over here like can you 
can you get quiet or something? Right. So he's like trying to pipe, make them all pipe down. I mean, it's got to be Kiffin or Mullen. I think that's probably true. So, all right. Well, there, there you go. The, the most interesting way to talk about SEC coaches that you've ever heard. <laughs> Different. How about, how about that? How about that? Uh, all right. When we come back, you'll hear from David Hale from ESPN right here on Fringe Element. Fringe Element is brought to you by Jaspers, the help you need when you're up creek without a paddle and also out of queso. <laughs> if there's one thing I'm thinking about when I'm up that creek without a paddle sitting in my boat is, damn, I wish I had some queso. 100%. It's <laughs> delicious and nutritious. <laughs> Life sustaining when you're lost on a river without a paddle. Things you got to um, think about. <laughs> Jasper's is the next evolution of the sports bar with a free parking lot. The air conditioning works great, by the way, because if it's really super hot, like it's been in Tennessee, it's a, there's very few things in life. see Yeah, they got air conditioning. There's very few things that are better in the summertime in Nashville than walking in, walking in out of the heat into a bar and seeing a tall, cool, frosty beverage just sitting there waiting for you at the bar. The way Jasper's would deliver you a beverage during happy hour, let's say from four to six, Monday through Friday. Braden, while saying this, looks so sincere and is just <laughs> gazing longingly out of his office window with his hands gingerly crossed on his mic, like looking up into the left as if he's like dreaming about oh, yeah. Jasper's. No, there's a thought bubble with a cold beer in my head right now. You can't see it, Aaron, but it's there. If I could see your it's thought there. bubbles, I'd be scared, but it would also help me in a lot of situations. I, I don't think it's as scary as you think it is up there. It's just like... It's just confusing to me sometimes without the thought bubble. You know what? Me too. Okay. I'm confused by myself most okay. days. Yeah. Um, but you know what else you could do? Because you, listen, there's great places to sit. Lots of great viewing <laughs> spots in the. They got chairs. chairs. They have chairs. You would not believe these chairs. Oh, the chairs! They're amazing. They got a booth. They got the tall tops. They got the shuffleboard. They got the private dining room. They got the grab and go market. All different types of experiences you can have in Jasper's. But you know what else you can do? You could order food from Jasper's and pick it up and take it home with you, if you know you're feeling like you need to be in a padded room while your team gets eliminated from the College World Series. First of all, why would you say something so hateful? I am picking up Jasper's. My team's been eliminated, Aaron. Well, I mean... I, 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 need, I need a circular room without corners that has padding. I in. didn't throw it in your face, did I? Surprisingly, no. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, you're really excited about your Vanderbilt Commodores. I hope Maybe so. by the time you're listening to this, you need a padded room. I may. We're finishing this up on Wednesday. I am picking up... Um, Jasper's Dogs and Wings and watching the game at the apartment tonight and because I need to be in a safe space. I need to, I can't be, <laughs> I can't be in public. Not only is it but, embarrassing but food, potentially, though. but good food. But yeah, but I need to bring the good food to me yeah. and it doesn't feel right to watch a, such an important game without some form of hot dog or brat. I'm with you on watching my team in a safe space. Yeah, it just, it's too much. I'm with you on that. It's too stressful. I cannot watch Green Bay Packer games in public. Mm -mm. I need to be in my own living room. I need places to pace and wander and walk. Maybe some things that I can beat up that aren't like, you know, like a trash can that's not going to be someone else's property, you know? Right. And I need to be able to say whatever I need to say. And right. I, I don't have a good filter in public normally, but this, you know, the stakes are high. So I don't want to. Aside from the Jasper's dogs and Jasper's wings, which are exceptional and great at during happy hour, are you going to be watching the game alone? Mm, no. I have a couple of Vandy people going to watch it with Okay, me. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. My safe space also includes no other people. Generally. I can do it if it's the same. Like, I can't have someone just like a UT fan just like patronizing <laughs> me the whole time for no reason when they have nothing at, like to lose. And I also don't really want to watch it with an, the opponent. So, so like, I'm not as long invited. as it's my people. No, and, and you weren't anyway. But yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, you wouldn't have come. Probably not. Okay. But, as but long not because as I don't like you guys. People. I would love to hang out with you young, cool people. Yeah, well. I just am not really able to. I'm on kid duty on Wednesday night. Yeah. So I'm, I've got the two TV set up, you know. I'm, I'm, I'll watch Vanderbilt and Nashville SC. That's what I got going. I'm so nervous. Maybe I'll pick up some Jaspers too. This is, this is a great idea. Yeah, you should. I mean, why not? Can we, can we, so people are listening to this on Thursday when the show comes out, but you have already watched the Vanderbilt game at the point of this ad. You'll have consumed your Jaspers food. Can we just pretend that that like they lost? And how would you feel right now? <laughs> I would be sad. How about what if they win? How would you feel? 
I'd be stoked and then know that I'm still have much more higher stake nerves coming down the pipeline. Mm, But if they win and I ate Jaspers, I'm going to have to eat it every single game for the rest of College World Series. Jaspers, helping your team win a national championship. Jaspers, supporting meaningless superstition for all who need it. If Vanderbilt won on Wednesday night when you're listening to this. If they didn't, sorry, Jaspers. I know. That's why I'm, I'm just going to pick like a couple <laughs> things because I don't want to have to eliminate the whole menu for forever. Go to Jaspers. It's a great place to watch the game or pick up some food and take it home and watch your game there if you need a padded room to watch your favorite team. Go to Jaspers. It's a great place to go eat and watch the game. First of all, David, always a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining the show. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, obviously, a big ruling on Monday with the Supreme Court. Uh, Essentially, I I know it's a narrowly focused ruling on just sort of education compensation, but I wanted to get your opinion on what does the language and and what does the ruling mean for the amateur model writ large big picture? Because it does seem like the implications are there to be changing a lot more stuff than just education compensation. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, 100%. And this is, look, in the immediate term, frankly, if you don't want anything to change as an institution, nothing has to change in the short term. But this is what every Supreme Court case is. They, they don't take these big, broad cases. They Every Supreme Court uh, decision is a narrow decision based on uh, you know what was asked of them. Nobody was asking them to declare amateurism out the window. Um, but what you get in the written opinions here, uh, both from Justice Gorsuch and then the concurring opinion from Justice Kavanaugh, two Trump appointees who are ostensibly very conservative judges, was just a scathing rebuke of how the NCAA runs its business. And so it's real hard to walk away from that and not think that there is just a line of lawyers waiting up to be the next guy to challenge the NCAA on antitrust uh, issues and a lack of fair competition competition issues in, in terms of the labor force. And in fact, the very fact that Justice Kavanaugh uses the term labor to describe athletes to me is a huge takeaway because that's the thing that the NCAA does not want to uh, admit. So, uh, you know, look, the, the narrow term, the short term is exactly what you said. It's, it's about educational benefits and it's something that can change uh, in or not change at all. But what's to come is clearly that was sort of sending up the bat signal saying like, hey, uh, doors open if you want to come in and see what you can do to get done to, to knock the NCA down a few more pegs. I, I want to get to the July 1st deadline, which sort of is another wall that's closing in as, as well. Uh, but before we get to that, I just, it, you know, it seems like, and I've, we've both been covering this sport for a very long time, and it does feel like public opinion on this particular issue has changed faster than I, of any, any issue I can remember in the sport. And it's happened in the last like maybe five to eight years. Is this, I mean, do you think we're going to look back 10, 15, 20 years from now and look at Monday's ruling and say that was that was the hole in the dam that finally broke the whole thing down? Is that, is that how big a deal you think this might be? Um, I, I won't say no to that. Um, I think I, I noted this on Twitter after the ruling that, that if you're the NCA and you're looking honestly at the world, which I don't know that they do, but if you are looking honestly at the world, there are three things that are inevitably clear at this point. One, public perception is not on your side. By and large, public opinion has shifted to support athlete empowerment at the very least and some level of greater compensation. The legislature is not on your side. There has been largely a bipartisan push for NIL and several uh, federal and certainly state legislators that on both sides of the aisle that have said, we actually might wanna go bigger than that. Chris Murphy, of course, in Connecticut, one of the biggest voices, but there's plenty. And then this today is the judicial side of it. So if the courts aren't going to back you up either, who is there? And I mean, certainly I don't think that the media is really on their side either. Um, so there, there's really not a lot. And even some of the bigger name coaches are sort of coming. I mean, I, I know everything was sort of made about Krzyzewski retiring and all it's because of that. Nobody was a bigger vocal proponent of athlete empowerment than Mike Krzyzewski. When, when big names within the sport are, are taking these shots too. And, and I, again, I think the big question is not so much Uh, are things going to change? How much are they going to change? It's, is there someone or hopefully a few someone's within college sports leadership 
that is aware enough of the situation that they're in and will be honest enough about what the writing on the wall says that they can take proactive, progressive measures to maintain some level of amateurism in this sport and this arena that we love and not let it just go to, you know, completely get destroyed because they're too busy trying to fight to keep it 1954 when they're and not even thinking about 2024. It's obviously the bowl games, Dave. It's obviously the yes, bowl games. Clearly, clearly. The bowl games are going to save us all. There, there's no question about that. They're going to save our playoff. They're going to save the amateur model. They're going to save everything. It's the bowl games. All right. So the other wall, you mentioned legislation, bipartisan support. And, and you know, I'm sitting in Tennessee, but there's a few other states that basically new laws are coming on the books in like a couple of weeks. <laughs> July 1st, name, image, and likeness across the board. And there's a reason the SEC states are, are sort of ahead of, the, ahead of the curve on this, you know because they obviously want to be able to sell it to recruits. What, what do we, what's going to actually happen on July 1st? Do you have any sense of what actually will take place? Like can Tennessee and Alabama and, you know, Florida just go out and start like offering contracts to players who want to sign sponsorship <laughs> deals? Like, like what happens? This is a great question because uh, I've talked to even compliance directors whose job it is to know like what happens and things aren't exactly clear. So I, I think what you're going to see is there will be an initial rush to say like, look what we did, right? To, to get a deal in somebody's lap, particularly if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, if you're Florida, if you're LSU, you wanna have a big shiny new thing. You know, when, when the new model comes on the, the car lot, you wanna go buy that new model. But I don't think they're gonna like take that brand new Ferrari and open it up on the highway to 200 miles per hour right away either. I think they want to do a few laps around the campus in this bright new car and see how it works, see how it handles. There's not going to be, I think, a push to open up a floodgate that you really can't, a bell that you can't unring. Um, because from a compliance standpoint, this is all sort of shooting at a moving target. And that's been the frustration, I think, on everybody's part is that like, just tell us what the rules are. And we'll, we'll play within those rules. We'll probably play within those rules. But like, when you don't know what the rules are, it makes it very, very difficult. And so I think you're seeing a move within the NCAA to say like, maybe we're just, you don't do anything too terrible and we're gonna not ask you what you just did. Uh, and, and if that's the case, boy, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where this ends because look, I am all for NIL. I think it is a good thing. I think in the long run, it is a good thing for all of college sports and, and college football, particularly the more you get the stars out there and make them visible, the more you're marketing this sport beyond Tuscaloosa and Baton Rouge and Athens, Georgia and Gainesville, the, the better it is for everyone, in my opinion. But uh, there's also a risk of like, you don't want to be the school that ends up having to deal with some sort of sanctions or blowback or, uh, you know, the first player who shows up on Instagram, like, you know, making it rain because he just made a bunch of money um, off of NIL that is actually not NIL at all. So these are all things that, that when there's no path forward, it's, it, you're sort of, you're a trailblazer. And I, I talked to one uh, AD who said, look, look I'm, I'm glad my state is doing this, but is not the first to do it because I'm more than happy to let somebody else go and fall into the well while I figure out what the real path is coming on, along behind them. What does college football look like in 2026? That's you probably have expansion. You've got name, image, and likeness. You might have collective bargaining agreements, right? Like, I mean, there's a, what does the sport look like? And do we have divisions? Are the conferences doing different things? Like, what does college football look like in 2025 or six? It's so fascinating because this is, I think we can all agree, college football is, and I don't mean this politically, I mean this just mindset wise the most conservative sport that there is. I mean, this was a sport that we had to drag kicking and screaming into a, uh, a two-team playoff and then a four-team playoff. And, and everything is done. I mean, what, what you see and how the NCAA has handled uh, this case and taking it to the Supreme Court, which clearly was a poor decision, like they are fighting tooth and nail to keep things from, from progressing too far from, from the you know, idealized version of old school college football. And what we have seen in just the last few weeks is in any one of these things from name, image, likeness, to the expansion of the playoff, to the transfer rule, to the ruling today, all of this stuff that has effectively happened within the last uh, 90 days, all of those would have been the biggest thing that had happened in college football in years if they had happened at any other time and they're all happening at once. So it is really fascinating to consider what the long-term effects of those are. And 
So take just something like um, the trans like transfer portal and, and open up one-time transfers. I've talked to some coaches who have been like, this is the death of everything and it's the worst. And of course, coaches say that, right? It's fear porn. Uh, it's transfer yeah. portal fear porn. Exactly. I've talked to plenty of other coaches. And I think when you start talking to the good coaches in the SEC, they view this as an opportunity. Look, if you are opening up the floodgates of, of anybody can transfer and we have the best product, we benefit from this. That's great. And then I've talked to a few coaches who've just been like, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, we're going to make a big deal out of it for now. And three years from now, we won't even talk about it anymore. It'll go away. Just like, uh, you know, when Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan and everything was about satellite camps. And when's the last time you heard that term? So I, I think there's a little bit of um, so much change happening at once that it's all a little bit scary in a sport that does not adapt well to change. Uh, and particularly, as you said, when there's coaches that are, that are disseminating the fear porn, um, it's not surprising that everyone's like a little like, well, what's going to happen in five years? What are we going to look, look like? I think college football is going to, the, the product itself will look largely exactly like it does today. We are going to have some players making a little bit more money here and there and a little bit more famous here and there. We are going to have more teams in a playoff, most likely. I would love to see no divisions. That would be great. All of those things are sort of ancillary to uh, like this artificial construct of college football. But the game itself is going to still be the game. And I think we're all still going to love it. I try to tell people that because, you know, you get like your uncle and your dad and they're all like, well, the regular season's not going to mean as much. And they got all these concerns. And I just, well, these transfer portals, like you said, coaches are like, it's going to destroy the the game and I'm like no like you are gonna go to your favorite stadium you're gonna wear your same polo you're gonna sing the same fight song and sit in the exact same seats and you're gonna watch your team play every single Saturday exactly the way you have for 45 years it's not gonna change like nothing is actually gonna change from the fans experience standpoint except for maybe my team's got a better chance to make the playoff right yeah right and I mean look I I think if you are a fan of college football and want to see good players on the field then the transfer portal is great because it's giving good players a chance to get into a place that they might get on the field. If you are a fan of try of the regular season and you want more games to be important, I think expanding the playoff makes more games important for the playoff. I mean, you can argue about how we should value the playoff and maybe that we've overdone that. I, I would agree with that. But um, you know, if, we're if, if the narrative of a season is who's getting into the playoffs, we've just made a lot more games part of that narrative. Yeah. Um, and, and again, at the end of the day, even if you're a fan, if you're a fan of Alabama, if you're a fan of LSU and you don't give a damn about anybody else, that's fine. And I don't think your product is getting hurt by this at all. But I think it's a good thing for the sport in general. If there are fans in Washington and California and Oregon and any place west of the Mississippi for a change, I think it is a good thing if you get a Cinderella story like Cincinnati in a playoff and give them a chance to win. I mean, look, that Georgia Cincinnati game was wonderful last year, the bowl game. I loved it. I'm a, also a deep-seated, I'm going to watch every minute of every college football game fan. If, you know, neither of those teams was going to win a national championship, but how dramatic would the end of that Georgia-Cincinnati game have been if it had real playoff stakes, a real championship stakes? So I think all of those things are good for marketing your sport and making more people care about the sport. The more people who care about college football, the better off we all are. Well, and in the SEC, you've got seven halves that have traditionally been the, the quote-unquote halves, and we all know who they are. They're the ones that have won national championships in the past and A&M. And then <laughs> it's the middle class, though, with, with Arkansas, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, and a couple of these teams are going to be really good this year. Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Missouri in particular, those three. That, that's the collection of teams that, to me, benefits the most because Greg Sankey was the voice pushing to 12 teams, right? It wasn't just eight. It, he, he was the the reason they went to 12 in, in theory. And to me, it's like, even in 2021, we've got a perfect example. Missouri's going to be pretty good. Kentucky's going to be pretty good. Ole Miss is going to be pretty good. You know, to me, that's the collection of teams that benefits the most from what all these changes. Right. And I mean, look, here, th this is the problem I kind of have with when people start arguing against changes and, and, and look, the idea of unintended consequences, I think, is a catch-all term that gets thrown out as a reason not to do things. But there are going to be some problems. With every, every one of these things, there are going to be some problems. But those are problems that, with good leadership, can be addressed. Um, there are also going to be benefits to pretty much everyone. And, and you know, a couple of the teams that you, you named there, uh, Ole Miss and Kentucky, and I, and I think probably Missouri to some extent now, too, because I really like Eli, is that those are coaches who have a, a holistic idea of what their program is understand their program strengths and market to those things uh you know obviously what lane has done at Ole miss 
is a marketing genius job. Um, all of the new stuff helps that. If you know how to market what your strengths are and can go sell that to a recruit, yeah, is Kentucky ever going to out-recruit Alabama? Hell no, they are not. But now I think there is a way for, for Mark Stoops to say, like, here's what we do at Kentucky, and it's different than what they're doing at Alabama. And what they're doing at Alabama clearly is working, and it's great. But here's this other thing that we do that I think might fit you really well. And we have an opportunity to market that at a different level than we would have ever had before. So I think there's tons of advantages, even if you're talking about being, you know, Vanderbilt or Wake Forest or, or some of these schools. I mean, there's still genuine advantages built into a system that is, is allowing you opportunity to expand your voice and your network. Can I ask you a couple of actual football questions before? We, please, yeah. please do. Yes. <laughs> now that we've talked about all the, all the other stuff, um, Alabama, A&M, I mean, excuse me, Georgia, A&M, who, who do you like to actually challenge Alabama this year? Uh, I am here by the day I swing back and forth on how I feel about Georgia uh, and JT Daniels. I think that they can win a national championship this year. I genuinely think they're, they have the recruiting talent for five straight years now has been top five elite level recruiting. Um, I once this during the Mark Rick eras, I once asked Bobby Bowden about, about Georgia under Mark Rick. And he said, man, they're, they're like a golfer who keeps rimming out a putt. And eventually one of those is going to roll in, didn't roll in for Mark Rick, but I still feel like one of these days they're going to drain one of those putts. Uh, and, and what you see, and, and I think maybe a little bit of too much pressure is going to be put on JT Daniels to be the savior. I don't think he needs that to be that so much as they need to understand that the type of offense you can play with JT Daniels is different than what they have been playing at Georgia, you know, pretty much since they invented football, um, that they can open things up and be different. I mean, they, they sort of feel to me like what Alabama would have been if Nick Saban didn't try to reinvent himself. How much are they willing to sort of reinvent themselves with JT Daniels? He doesn't have to be perfect if the offense gives them more latitude and leeway to do more interesting things. And if they do that, I'm really high on the talent all around them. I like Georgia. I'm not going out on a far enough limb to say I'm picking them to win it all this year, but I'm definitely not writing that off yet. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I really like Georgia. Um, it's like John Rom, right? Like he, he had like seven or eight putts that he had to make on, on Sunday. He kept missing all of them. And then finally on 17 and 18, he drops in a couple of bangers to, to win the tournament. That, maybe that's JT Daniels this year for Georgia. Who knows? Um, I've asked this of every human being I know that I respect their opinion. What is LSU? <laughs> um, well, they can't be as bad as they were last year. That's the one, you know, the one thing I'm a hundred percent sure of is Bo Pelini is off uh, living somewhere else is probably as far away from Baton Rouge as he can get. There's um, I'm sure some sort of restraining order now, uh, <laughs> but that defense has to be markedly better. Like it's, it's almost incalculable how bad that defense performed last year. Um, you know, look, I, they've still got talent. I think they, they just, didn't it was sort of they, they were in not in some ways the, the the mix of all the players that left coming off of a championship new coaching staff uh around Ogeron and then COVID on top of all of that there was just never a sense of continuity there last year and I think it's one of those programs that I don't think they're going to challenge you know Alabama this year in fact I'm not so sure that they can challenge A&M this year but I think that you saw some progress towards finding an identity late in the season last year that if that continues to build, it's just a matter of saying like, this is who we are and what we're supposed to do instead of like all the moving pieces of every week was sort of trying to put out another fire. I think just having some, some push in the same direction is critical. All right. Last one. We'll let you go here. Appreciate your time of the new coaches, Brian Harson, Shane Beamer, Clark Lee, Josh Heupel, very different expectations at those four jobs. Who is the guy at the end of the year we're talking about saying, man, that guy did a lot more than we thought? That's a good question. I think there's room for Hypel to do some interesting things there, but I've never really been sold on that fit. And I'm probably sort of along the same line with Harson. I, I, I think he's a good coach. I think there's some talent on the roster. Is that a great fit? I, I don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence about it. I will say um, – Will Muschamp recruited pretty well to South Carolina, and that was just a team that never seemed to find uh, an identity that had any real energy behind it. And I don't know what Shane Beamer works out as as a head coach because certainly the the track record is 
really the sample size is small of guys who haven't been coordinators first or head coaches at, the, at another level first. But he brings energy, man. I think he is the right personality fit for South Carolina. And if that personality with some of the talent that Muschamp brought in kind of overlaps, I could see at the end of the year we're sort of talking about them the way we did Arkansas and Missouri a little bit last year of like, wow, they, they turned things around a lot faster than I was expecting. I think that could be South Carolina this year. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they might exceed expectations. David, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for your insight. Love listening to you talk about this sport that we all love. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. That was David Hale from ESPN. Very interesting stuff there, Aaron. And uh, that sort of does it for the show. Um, David's awesome, man. I don't know about you, but I got smarter during that interview. That's for sure. Only but it one way take, to go. It doesn't take much. It doesn't, <laughs> oh. doesn't take much for me. I kind of walked oh. into that one, didn't I? He <laughs> did. Made it too easy. No, he is very insightful, and it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. But I think we're heading in the right direction. I think we are as well. Um, so, special thanks to David Hale for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our very random conversation about SEC coaches. I just felt like we needed to lighten the mood today a little bit. Lots of heavy topics about NCAA rule changes and stuff. Very, a lot of legislative jargon, if you yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. Jar- legislative jargon is not a thing I'd like to hear on a sports podcast right, too so often. That's why we hit about talk about who's what coach will hit on your wife. <laughs> I, I actually am far more interested. I'm actually going to do research on which coaches my wife would be most attracted to. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the research on that and t- and ask her to rank them, and I'll bring that back to you guys next week. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to guess also what she Come says. Come up your top three. I also would like to put you on the spot, and which three would you go on a date with? But you already you're made me do too sensitive about Mary F word kill. No, I. That's true. You did Mary fuck kill. I did, yeah. and I like on the spot. That was pretty good. That's because you and Childers together is just like scary. <laughs> so when he's on the show, I never know what I'm gonna have to answer. Aaron, where can people follow you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram. You can follow me at Braden Gall, and Fringe Element is brought to you by. Jaspers. I don't have to do three in a day. <laughs> do I? No, we're like Omaha. It's just a doubleheader. I'll, I'll do this one. Go to Jaspers. It is a wonderful place to eat food and watch sports in the air conditioning. And you know what? You won't have to pay to park your car. And they have chairs. Lots of places to sit. It's good. Yeah. Go to Jaspers. You can follow me at Braden Gall on Twitter. At 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. At 440 Media on Instagram. For Aaron Dugan, David Hale, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Go Doors. Go Doors.